if they were going to keep in step with the whole nine years later thing, that would have been 2022. That would have been this year that we get before. I thought about that too. Whatever. Um, maybe it'll be another, maybe it'll be an 18 years. Before pulmonary embolism. <laughs> we're men. Okay. That means a few things. Men sometimes have strange motives for the things they do. But we are still proud. For if a man loses pride in manhood, he is nothing. I'm a man. I'm sensitive. Confronted with their true selves, most men run away screaming. Isn't this a strange conversation for men who aren't crazy? You make me want to be a better man. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Hey, How's it going? Honestly, 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 I don't know. Honestly, I've, no. I've got a lot of yeah, 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 feelings. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, hold that thought. You shut up, everybody listening. Listen up. I'm Nick Flora. That's Dave Gregory. Hey, this is Betterman Film Club. I this is a. I feel like we're just continuing on to the, from the last episode. This is just like one long conversation, even though we are recording this in three parts. Yep. Um, this is the podcast. If you're just listening, I can't imagine you're jumping in it before midnight but if you are um this is a podcast where dave and i use the lens of film to dissect explore challenge the messaging and social conditioning that men have received in the last century both the positive and the problematic all in hopes to be uh better and um i don't know i don't know i don't know dave i feel like i feel like once again no preamble let's just jump into it because i feel like i need the full 90 yeah 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 Um, yeah what what what, 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 what? Okay, when we got off last time, you were you mm-hmm. were like, I think Kate and I are going to go watch this movie. We did. When oh, yeah. you guys watched this movie, what what? Tell me about this experience, man. I these movies Walk are great. These movies yeah. are great. This trilogy is phenomenal. I did not like this movie the first time I watched it for the majority right? of the viewing. It just and I think it's some of it wasn't. It's not even. Uh, I don't like the movie. It's like I am not happy. And I am uncomfortable <laughs> and I don't like, you know what I mean? Like it just, it was very, very real. Like it was mm-hmm. so real The the way that I mentioned on the last podcast where I was like, yeah, I was uh, so leaned in. Like I was leaning over the, yeah. it, my posture could not have been more different. Mm-hmm. This one, I was leaned back. My arms were crossed. I was just like, it felt like I was like eavesdropping at the couple yeah. at the, uh, the, the couple's dinner at the table next to me. And like, I couldn't look away, but I, I should, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's not even to say it's like this depressing movie. It definitely, it hits a long track uh, towards the end there, but there is something, it took me a minute to figure out what it was. I'll say this, but like the first two movies open up with such a free form yeah. feeling. And this one, the just even the aesthetic of this film immediately feels um so what i'm looking for like confined it, it does, felt yeah. very i felt trapped for the first 15 minutes of this movie and it does take place in a in an, the first scene is in an airport which always feels claustrophobic mm-hmm. anyway so yeah um there's something about that but yeah the this um this is maybe maybe and i don't want to depress anybody I mean, it all depends on how you look at it, but this is maybe the, the, this, and this is 40 are, this is like maybe the realist portrayal of like expectations turning into reality that mm-hmm. I think I've seen. And we were there along for the ride 
Um, once again, coming out of like, if I had wait 10 years for this movie, I think I'd be really, really bummed. I only had to, I only had to yeah. wait a few days. Um, I watched all these movies inside of like a week and a half. Um, and I think it, it's especially tough for me because in increasingly as the films went on, I'm just a Jesse fan. And I feel yeah. like as the movies were going on, I'm like, protect this man's heart. I love him. <laughs> and even yeah. in this one, I'm like, I kept waiting for the shitty Jesse moment. And we kind of get not a moment, but we get, you know, they, they there's a conversation. There's an argument at the end that I, I, I mean, this movie got nominated for an Oscar and I'm like, yeah, of course it did. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know, with screenplay and everything. Cause, uh, hard to watch it's brilliant, but like brilliant it's but i think it's as important here's here's what this this trilogy did it's it it gave us every beat along the way as far as like um the first one is like what like it was all that wonder and falling in love which we've all experienced hopefully to one degree or not and then the second one was more like okay it's a little bit complicated because life we have, there are other people involved here it's not just you and me now and um and I feel like the pressure of that and everything we talked about last week. And then this one was kind of like, like I said earlier, expectations. Okay. Let's, let's, it's just, it almost felt like expectations building up over many, many years, a lot of conversations as well as we've seen this couple have a million conversations and seemingly be honest about their situation and stuff. There seemed to be a lot of stuff built up unspoken things. I, I it was, it was really difficult to watch, but very, yeah. it felt very, in the same way that all the rest of them did, it, it felt honest and authentic. And, but man, I was tense the whole time. I was tense the whole time. Yeah. And I don't, I kept waiting for something. I felt, I don't know what it was. I was waiting for like a bomb to drop or something. It was like tense. I don't know why. Yeah, it really was. And I think that's something all of the, we, we've said that in every movie. I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. I kept waiting for this. I kept waiting. That's for, true. There, there really never is anything like Not that. Really. And I think it's because like there isn't anything like that in life. In general, very few couples are harboring these deep secrets of, you think I it's killed like a man. Film or watching, you, conditioning. Like maybe it's, absolutely. are we waiting for like that because we're, we're so used to movies doing that? I think we're waiting. I think we're waiting. Two things. I think, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm realizing that I found myself waiting for the the what's the word for it like the trope or the vehicle that's gonna yeah, move yeah, the, yeah. the big moment Good that'll call. that'll signal the second and third acts and stuff like that and mm -hmm. that didn't happen because that doesn't happen in life. The other thing I think is interesting is like I I think I realized during this movie that we have we there is no narrator but what yeah. little we have is unreliable. The fact that like we are assuming that Jesse and Celine have been unbelievably um, candid with each other the last two movies. And the truth is they haven't been because no one ever is. And the most mm -hmm. honest conversations we have with people, especially in young love, uh, and maybe this is just me outing myself, but there, there's always a layer of I, I am trying to, uh, seduce or be accepted and loved by this person. And so all of our communication is filtered through what we're hoping to get out of this relationship. And I think we see that even more so here that all the best pieces of these people that we fell in love with are, are they've been filtered through the, the heavy emotions they've been feeling for each other. And mm -hmm. this third movie is the first time where their communication with each other is not it's not filtered through that anymore. They've been with each other for nine years now since that last movie. Um, and there is no, they're, they're not, they're not looking at each other through these rose colored lenses. They, this is, 
this is as honest as it gets. You know what I mean? You're going like, oh, I yeah. don't know if and the communication up to this point has really been true and honest, you know? That's true. So uh, let's bring people in. So we, we come yeah. into this film, Jesse and, and, and Celine, we've seen now two times in two different movies. And the last one dropped off with him saying basically fade to black before fade to black. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to miss my flight. And we, we debated over what that meant. And it seems like in this one, it takes a while to kind of connect the dots, which I like that they do it. Um, mm-hmm. There is, like you said, minimal exposition. Um, there's probably more in this than, than any of the other ones, but it's still not, it seems very naturalistic in the very, and I like the way they do it, right? They have a family dinner with a bunch of friends and then they, they get asked to tell their story. So it's like, that's actually a pretty good way to do it because yeah. I have been, I have been in those dinners like with my ex-wife where people ask us to tell our story and we tell our story so many times that we fall in love with our story. And one of us wants to throw up because the story, we know what, what it is in actuality and the story does not match up. And everybody's like, Oh, that's the sweetest, most romantic story. And then we wonder why everybody was disappointed when we told me we were getting divorced. We're like, yeah, we've painted ourselves into this narrative that yeah. wasn't reality. Like, and, and one of us believed it and the other one didn't. And, um, mm. or one of us wanted to believe it. And so, so we, we bring, they are, we're going to spoil the shit out of this, by the way. We never say that, but like we, I just assume that people know at this point, but well, if you haven't seen the movie, there's literally no reason for you to listen to this episode. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't ever want anyone to turn it off, but if like, you have, no, no, no. If you have Amazon prime, it's, it's streaming there right now, um, basically for free. So go, mm-hmm. go do that. Um, honestly, this is the first time that I watched one of these movies when it was free on Amazon prime with ads and I kind of needed the ad breaks. <laughs> oh yeah. They're a little, they're a little like, they're a little like three minute ad breaks. And I was like, honestly, little kinda respites kind of needed it. Um, well, and that's, it's such a good point that because like really from the beginning of this film, all of the movement, the, the, the first two films have this forward motion the whole yeah. time your characters are moving towards something and there's a deadline, there's a stopwatch. Mm-hmm. There's, this movie has none of that. This movie, there is yeah. no deadline. There's no stopwatch. There is no, at no point are they like, Hey, be careful. Cause at midnight, like, yeah, it's just kind of implied like, okay, midnight will be what we're, what we're saying tonight and even more so i noticed like in the very first shot where they're together jesse get he he's dropping his son off at the airport his mm-hmm. they've been in greece for the summer and his son is flying back it's home nine Chicago years to his later mom. yeah and uh jesse comes out gets in the car you see two beautiful little twins in the back seat two girls mm-hmm. and he gets in the car with celine it's kind of implied these are the their kids but the first shot now that we have of jesse and celine they're side by side the way they have been for the last two movies and the camera is following them. But there's something about the shot. They're in the car and you're looking at it through the windshield and it just feels uh, stagnant. They feel mm-hmm. it's whereas in the first two movies, they're together by choice and they're on this exploration. This one feels like they're kind of stuck together mm-hmm. and they're confined to this space together, both by the kids in the back seat and by the car itself and even the road that they're on with this very defined path. Whereas mm-hmm. in the first two movies, they're just wandering through this sprawling city. So from the get go, the movie lets you know, like, nope, none of that freedom from the first two. Like we are yeah. locked in, you know, and also just the idea that it, it kind of explores that idea of like, OK, well, and kind of what he said at the very beginning and, the uh, you know, when he challenges her to come off the train and, and go around with him is like, which I, I was wondering if that's where they were going to go with this is like, OK, you know, the whole his whole spiel about you know, in 30 years, you're going to be sitting with your husband yeah. and, and the, the level of faded and you're going to think back to your loves. Like, do you want to know how that you're always going to wonder what could have been? Well, now we don't have to wonder. We see. And I think I wonder how much of that, whether they wanted to or not, sowed a little bit of that, like expectation, a little bit of that, like um, those those 
firing synapses of serotonin of like, oh, and then also the romance of like, we only have till here. Because I, I used to be in a um, relationship that was long distance and though we did it for nine, 10 months and it was incredibly, uh, it was hot that we only had three days to be with yeah. each other when we, when we would visit each other and, and we meet in the middle and it, it made it more of an adventure, but I think it prolonged the actual reality of, of the, um, of actually getting to know each other's in, in our actual real lives because we were, went on vacation basically mm. together. And yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when she would come to me, it would be feel like a vacation. I wouldn't do normal life stuff and vice versa. And so I think there, there is an element of like the first two times we had, there's that clock, right? You got to go to the airport. You know, we, I, I got to get on a train, whatever it might be. And this one, there isn't that, which is interesting because the original conceit of the film I read was that they are stuck in this. They're married like they are. Everything's the same with the kids and everything. And they have a, their first free night in forever. Somebody comes and takes the kids for the night. And so they're but they're going to bring them back at midnight. And so they're like, oh. they, they have an entire evening to go on a date, get reconnected. And they haven't done that in a very, very long time. And so they're trying to learn how to do what they did so naturally early on. And I, they, they took that and that's, and then they named it before midnight and they took that conceit away, but kept the name supposedly. So, um, which is a lot of people don't realize too, this is actually the sequel or the prequel, sorry, to Chris Hardwick's at midnight. Yeah. People don't, um, <laughs> the, yeah. That, that game show. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to that, pay attention, he, but the threat is there. <laughs> yeah, he's been Points. dropping breadcrumbs. <laughs> that makes a sense. Of levity. Yeah, there is there is a point where where Ethan Hawke yells points at her face. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Celine points at his face. Sorry, there's that's what it is. There's definitely moments. You really have to eagle-eyed viewers. <laughs> will will see. Um, but uh, but so th that part of it. So the conceit of the film is basically they're on vacation in Greece. Once again, they're not really. They're not on their home turf, which is where we're used to seeing them is not on their home turf collectively mm -hmm. anyway. And so they are they're in this gorgeous city with the ruins, with all the all the stuff. And and uh, they have somebody that's going to keep their kids for a little bit so they can kind of go and have a hotel. For, uh, friends have gifted them a hotel for the night and like a massage and like all like go on a little date night or whatever, which is kind of the same thing. The, the midnight yeah. thing is never brought up. But honestly, it's not even really important. Um, it, it, it would feel like it would feel it like it was shoehorned in there. I'm upset. <laughs> the fingers in the air, folks. He's upset. Mm. I am upset. All, all you need is glasses to push up off your nose. Yeah. So we are meeting them kind of in, in what that original conceit was that I was talking about where it seems like they haven't, there, there's definitely some stuff going on that where they, they are in like the normal throes of life of raising kids raising one kid from across the pond. So they don't even really like, they don't see Jesse's son that often. He is just leaving. Seems to, I really like that. He seems to have a good relationship with everybody though. Like he's not like everybody has kind of embraced him and uh, you know, he was there for the summer and now he's leaving. And um, I, I, I just got to say like one of the earliest scenes they meet with all their friends and they're going to have this dinner party. And uh, it seems like the friends that they're, they're summering with, I guess, or something. But um, there, there's, there's a scene where they're Jesse, who's a writer um, who, who just put out a second book based on the second movie <laughs> called the first one was called this time. This one's called that time. Um, and, uh, it, it seems like it'd be, it'd be great if he put out a second book and it was called before midnight. And we're like, oh, I don't I know. know. He's just trying to shoehorn it in, <laughs> but th there's a scene where he's sitting around talking about mm -hmm. ideas. Once again, ideas he has for books and stuff. 
every idea that they're throwing out there for this fake author to have, I'm like, that's a cool idea. Like every time he's done it, I'm kind of like, oh, that's interesting. Um, and usually that's not the case. Usually it's like, this is a very basic idea. And I, I wondered though, if we're meant to think that they're good or not, because it, he actually says there was this time and then there was that time. And the he's time actually put it. out, he's put out a third book since then. Oh, okay. It didn't do as well. And he's talking about other ideas because I think we learned later, Celine said like, hey it's time like i think it was causing issues in their relationship because she makes multiple passive aggressive comments about Mm -hmm. like oh you met her like that's not i'm not in this book you know what i mean there's a at one point there's a fan that asks him to sign his book and asks her to sign it too Mm -hmm. and she's reluctant because she feels like the girl in that book isn't me um and i'm wondering if there's a dude being i i wonder how much of that like i wonder how much of that is the identity crisis that she's having as well you know, that a lot of, sure. women, they, she kind of goes through it. Like a lot of working women do where they're like, I feel guilty for not being at home all, with the kids all the time. But also like, I, I have my own life to live and they are, they are kind of interdependent in this way where they have their own separate lives and interests and stuff. And then when they come together, it seems to be, there, there's definitely some tension, but it's really interesting because it seems like over the years, you know, that this dinner party where he's told the story where people want to hear that story because it's so great. Yeah. And honestly it is. Um, he's told that story a million times to the point where she's just over it. Um, it's very similar. It, it reminded me of gone girl in a way where like the parents, you know, her, her the main gone girl, um, you know, th- that's yeah. her name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the amazing Amy. And if you've seen that movie or read that book, like she, her parents wrote this book, but they've been incredibly neglected to her like her whole life. So they're just using her to prop up this book. And she's like, I don't even know this person. Like she's, this is the person they yeah. always wanted me to be. I wonder if in a way Celine is like, I think you idealized me and crystallized me and I can never live up to this idea of me. Absolutely. That's got to be tough. I mean, I imagine I like so. as a songwriter writing songs about like the, the first, the girl you first fell in love with. And like, as time goes up and you get to know that person more three dimensionally and you have fights and you, you know, you see ugly sides and beautiful sides and all of it. If it's like, are you still in love with that person you wrote about? Or do you, can, are you able to see me? You know, and, and I think Jesse might not even fully know that. I think they're both wrestling with the third person in this relationship, which is her in the book. Yeah, know? I think that's fair. I also think uh, the more I watch this, the more I felt like it's um, it, it kept making me think so much of just the importance of um being earnest no the importance of self-awareness <laughs> troy cut sir <laughs> yeah um no the importance of, of of self-awareness in that like in the first movie we go nah like she's this young idealist and he's a little too cynical uh-oh is that gonna like mm-hmm. or is that not gonna work out in the second movie it's like well she's kind of gotten hardened and he's too focused on immediate gratification and pleasure and being in the moment and all this other stuff and later on we see like in this movie it feels like both of those things have continued even more and to the outside world to their friends he presents as this incredibly charming uh witty man who's incredible with words by the way in in their argument no joke he has some lines where i go like hey that was airtight. She's about, she just lost this argument. And somehow she doesn't because she's so uh, firm in her beliefs and has uh-huh. such a strong sense of self that she doesn't get caught up. She seems to be the only person in Jesse's orbit that doesn't get caught up in how good he is with words because she has such a strong sense of self. Uh-huh. But it, a lot of what it's like, I kept wanting in, in this movie, in all three of these movies, I keep wanting them to just kind of go like, 
hey, just stop for a second. Hey, let's just not get caught up and caught up. And you know what I mean? And just have yeah. a self-aware moment. And it seems like it, it it really doesn't ever happen, which is maddeningly accurate <laughs> for most relationships, especially when you think about when these took place. I mean, like if Gen Z or the Zillennials are listening to this podcast, like we, this generation has begun to normalize therapy in a way that the, you know, Gen X does not understand. Yeah, these are, None they're of the Gen Xers. 100%. Mm-hmm. None of the generations before them did. And so there really is this like through line of, man, y'all aren't, y'all are so unself-aware. Jesse really, and Jesse sees himself as the hero. He really does. He sees himself as the good guy who wants the best. He genuinely loves this woman. And he really does. She sees herself as the only realist in the relationship. Look, I'm not being selfish. It's not that I'm mad at you about this or I'm mad at you. Yeah. I'm just, I am trying to be responsible now. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Which is kind of crazy because that was Jesse's issue in the first, in the second movie, mm-hmm. sorry, the last movie was, is he going to wake up and go back home to his responsibilities? Spoiler, he did not. <laughs> and so instead he stayed and had sex with Celine for eight days straight or whatever it was that they talk about. Yeah. Left his wife. And now it's kind of funny that she seems to be kind of upset with him for not being more of a realist. And I'm like, you mean the guy who destroyed his life and moved to Paris to be with this woman he was in love. You're upset that he's not being a realist? Like, I know. yeah, man, not not to make him the victim here. You can't you know, have it both all. ways, though. You can't have it both ways. Like, either you're in love with this guy because he's this way or it annoys the shit out of you because he can't get his, you know, his he, he's a dreamer. He's a writer. He's a creative. Yeah. You know, I, I, this, that hit so close to home for me. And I, I absolutely I, because I was that I, I was in a marriage that like absolutely i think by the end of it my wife was 100 she said to me i I don't think i know like that because i chose a creative path i am a lot more childlike and a lot of times that can be childish and i have a lot of like i'm I'm in touch, touch with my emotions which that can be good but also I will list off every single time one of those emotions is not being, <laughs> you know, sure. uh, uh, gratified or, or acknowledged or something. I have no problem being like, Hey, let's sit down and talk about feelings. And she's like, Jesus Christ. Uh, uh and I understand <laughs> that. And she, she told me like, I feel like I had to be the adult for both of us sometimes because my job, especially early on, like I was absolutely like, de- like delaying, uh, grown up hood because of, because I, I, I chose a career where people go to play and hang out and, I could be 40 and my coworker, quote unquote, other musicians are like 23 and that's completely fine. And nobody bats an eye. Um, and so yeah. it, it's, it's very, I, I related to a lot of his part in this, honestly, and her parts really, really annoyed me. I, it's really crazy to, I totally fell in love with Celine in that first movie. And as we go on, I'm just more and more annoyed with her. And that's more this, we talked about this. We didn't say it in this way. We talked about this every episode of these, of these last three, but like this, these movies are a Rorschach test. Like without really a doubt, are. in really so many are. ways, like, like what you see, you know, who, whose side you take or what's, what, what point of view, like how you heard people say a certain thing, what is romance, what's not, it, it, it's really interesting. And there really isn't a right point of view. And yeah, I agree that mm. the things that bothered me about Celine in this movie bothered me because I don't want to hear them. Yeah, like, I just no don't want a woman to say that to me. Leave me alone, please. No, thank I'm, all, you. I'm also just I mean? like, get like, like, get, I don't get over yourself. I'm just so like, and I understand that's what that's, I'm saying. Is so that, much of her stuff is that she doesn't feel seen and she, and she has stuffed her own stuff down and, and denied a lot of things that she needed over the years. Very obviously. And, and you can, and you know that because as soon as I get into an argument at the end, she starts throwing in old stuff. She's like, Oh, if we're going to work out some stuff, 
I have some old things that I really need that I never brought up in the moment. And it's like, oh, now is not the time to deal with this. And Jesse kind of like takes that without saying it that way, kind of takes that stand where he's like, you know, I've given you my entire life. There's nothing larger that I can give you. Yeah. Do you do you really deny that I'm here? And I've been that guy where it's like, okay, we didn't deal with something five years ago. Tough shit. Like I, I, I'm not that person anymore. So I, I, I'm not going to pay for my past sins. I've been that dude, whether that's right or wrong. Yeah. I've been in those moments. I think the subtext that we're missing there is though, is that she has been paying for his sins for nine mm. years. You know what I mean? Like good call. Remember that first conversation they have in the car. I, I, I had to, uh, it's interesting. This is the better men film club. I know like we're both, we're, we're fairly in touch with our emotions as far True. as, as, as people go, we try to be, yeah. but it, it was very hard for me to, want to understand where she was coming from like, again we both ethan hawk is my favorite actor jesse yeah, is one of my favorite hard. characters i was He's, on this guy's side uh, jesse really is my did. jesse is my boy and but i also it, it honestly because i loved him so much i really when they were having that big long argument the last third of the movie or whatever it is i really had to i, I was like hear what she's saying like really mm -hmm. like be instead of just immediately being like, God, I wish he would just like give him a break. Cause I don't know either. Like, I don't know what they've yeah. been through, you know? We, well, we, and that's the thing is we get an, a window into it though. In their very first conversation mm -hmm. when they, he gets in the car, she's on the phone with someone, she's all stressed out. And she's like, we don't get all the details. Essentially. She's not happy in her job. And she says, you know what? I think I'm going to take this job with someone else with this other guy over here. And he immediately goes, no, absolutely not. You don't like that guy. I don't trust mm -hmm. that guy goes off on why he doesn't, not just why he doesn't think she should, but why mm -hmm. he doesn't want her to. And she immediately, this is where I didn't realize until the end of the movie, but we should have seen this first conversation as a perfect foreshadowing of exactly how this film would go and how it would end, yeah. which is, she says, I'm unhappy. I think I should do this. I've been denying myself of this for a really long time and I think I'm going to do it. And he says, no, you can't because I don't trust that guy and I don't blah, blah, blah. Then he tries to backpedal a little bit and he goes, well, you can't because you complained about that guy in the past. You don't want to go work for that guy anymore. And then she goes kind of off and explains a little bit about how she's like, look, this is I always said. I was going to do this kind of work that I wasn't going to be unhappy, that I wasn't going to be, that I wasn't, that I wasn't. And you kind of start to hear like, oh, she's been kind of, she's, she has been compromising her ideals, which is a big deal for Celine. If based on the second movie, especially uh -huh. for the last nine years, so that she could come home and like take care of the girls and do some of that stuff. And like, you know, like be present uh -huh. with family. And she talks numerous times throughout this deal. Like, what, how did she say it one time? It made me think about it because Kate has literally said this to me. She's like, do you think well, there's a house elf that just picks up all this stuff in the morning? Because it's true. I will. I fall asleep on the couch. I wake up in the morning. I go to work and I come home and all the stuff that I left out is clean. Mm -hmm. And I forget that like someone spent an hour doing that this morning. Because he calls know? himself Captain Cleanup. He's like, I'm Captain Cleanup in the, in the, in the car, you know, which is very funny. Here's what's wild about, about this movie. It, it was my least favorite of the three, like from the jump. Yeah. I think it will probably after much reflection be my favorite. I think like I had, it has the, it has all the makings of a movie and, and it, it's the movie that I it was the hardest for me to watch, but had the most moments that stuck out to me that I will remember for a very long time, which is wild. Mm. And honestly, the most laugh out loud moments for me, like there, there Jesse makes a couple jokes that legitimately got me. And like, 
him calling himself Captain Cleanup made me made me crack up. I don't know why. Um, yeah. Like he, he is sillier in this one than he's been. Like maybe it's maybe he has that kind of conflict avoidant thing where he's just like I don't know. Like we're good. Like we're you're fine. Oh, absolutely. I see him as an Enneagram Seven, hundred percent. All of yeah, his jokes I think you're are. Right. I think you're right. He, he's been he is running from the argument that he knows has been coming for nine years, mm-hmm. and is a little bit. It's it's. Um, it's interesting because in the last movie, like when you hear about his situation with his wife, he knocked this woman up and he stayed with her. She mm-hmm. didn't choose him. He didn't choose her. They just decided we've got to make this work. Right. Yeah. And then it's like to write that wrong. He decided to follow his heart and Celine gets pregnant. She mentions like the, the literally the first time we have sex without a condom, I get pregnant with twins, which I think was during their however many days where that's all they did, you know? Yeah. When we last um, saw them. And um, the, it's interesting to, I, I think the guy is living with the guilt that he knows he, I think he feels if I were him, I would feel like I ruined two women's lives. Mm-hmm. My, my ex-wife hates me. Hard. She literally hates hard. me, but, and I'm glad that I have this kid, but like, we do not get along well. They don't co-parent well. They don't anything well. It's not working. And so he tried to write it with this. And now there's a, a certain point, kind of what sparks some of the argument between them is he's, he's feeling distant from his son who lives in Chicago while they live in Paris. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it hasn't asked yet, but she feels the question coming of, can we please move back to be yeah. closer to my son in the yeah. United States? And it's like, I think he feels like, yeah, regardless here, I would feel this way. So I'm projecting a hundred percent, but it's like, did I just ruin two women's lives? <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, she and it's doesn't want to be because... embarrassed. My wife doesn't want to be cut. Co- my ex-wife doesn't want to be coupled. Yeah. With me. Because leaving his ex-wife being like, well, you know, the consolation is that I get to be with my dream girl. And then now nine years later, he's like, oh, the dream girl is off the pedestal and she's a real person with a real life that, it, that maybe I also have not handled this very well. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it is this, it is this wild thing. And you said it in the last episode too, which in Richard Linklater and, and all the, all the creators of this, uh, cause I think this movie was also heavily, uh, written by the two leads as well. Um, mm-hmm. impossible situation. Like, Really they, he's, they're so good at writing impossible situations like th- this one too where like there's no winning here that like that somebody has to sacrifice and compromise for everybody to like get a little bit of what they want and i don't think i think that they there's been a little bit too much of that without uh maybe some gratification or some some thankfulness or some gratitude some something th- th- there's resentment building um over a lot of assumptions too over the this move and everything so it's been interesting to be like oh this is an impossible situation that jesse has found him in i don't even know because sometimes when you watch these movies where couples argue you're like geez just do this or do this or whatever like mm-hmm. you know whatever it might be and we found out also they didn't get married so like there isn't that isn't an issue they are um and they're also lying to their kids about them getting married but um yeah. which is a, which is a really weird like purity culture weird kind of thing that i, I don't understand that part of it it's very it goes against the french her whole like I'm French and free and like thing I don't really know but that that was an interesting yeah I think it was note. had to do with the um the daughters are just she she talks about how they've been obsessed with weddings oh ever since they yeah, were little they're girls that age yeah. so like and even in movies and stuff like that they would they the the weddings were their favorite part and so they would always ask what was y'all's wedding like and they didn't want to be like mm-hmm. we didn't have one uh, uh, but yeah that is that's true I never thought about that um for for such a feminist in Celine that she doesn't have the heart to break it to her daughters that um. Which I totally get because I also have this thing where I'm like, no, like I, I want I do. I will admit on here. I push more female superheroes on my daughter than Disney princesses, um, especially the older Disney princesses, because they're 
dipped in problematic shit. But like at the same time, my daughter likes princesses. Like she loves, you know, and yep. she she appreciates the Captain Marvels and the Wonder Woman's and stuff. But she also loves Belle and Ariel and all those things. And I'm like, ah, there's so many issues and because kids are going to like what they like and they won't like it forever. And we are always worried that they're going to take away the wrong message from something. But like we love control over that first off. And number two, um, they might not. Like, I hear what you're saying. We don't know what they're it taking. Sound, it. it sounds to me like what you're saying is your daughter is the problem. Yes. Thank you. Can you get her in here? I need, I need somebody else to tell her this. Uncle Dave is going to tell you this something. Is... It's going to be hard to hear. Hey, Emeline, um, remember me? Okay. I didn't think so. You're the problem. <laughs> I need you to know. I know you didn't ask to be here, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. remember this for therapy. Yeah. Um, I, I think about that all the time with kids. It was like, like anytime I get frustrated with them that they don't comply with some stupid made up rule that I have in my head. Um, I'm like, they didn't ask to be here. Like, the, you know, like we, we like, who was it the other day that I was listening to on a podcast talking about, it might've been Pete Holmes um, talking about his kid where he was just like, we, I'm so sorry. We pulled you into this shit. I'm so sorry. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> like, like thinking of it that way instead of like, cause so many parents are like, you owe me this. I pay for your, you know, the Chris rock has a bit where he's like, he was like, I, his dad was like, I put a roof over your head and I pay for your meals. And he's like seven. And he's like, yeah, that's the, your job. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what you want me to do. Like, that is what the parents yeah. job is to take care of their kids. I didn't ask to be here. This isn't a thing that I marched in your house and demanded. It makes me think about that monologue in, um, in fences, uh, with the one where he's like, where he's like, how come you never liked me? He was like, like you, I don't got to like you. I got to do mm-hmm. right by you. Like, I, I condensed it to 15 seconds. It's yeah, 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 I've yeah, never, yeah. I've never understood if that speech that he makes, uh, the James Earl Jones version of that, if you can find it online, he has this yeah, incredible dude. monologue. You sent that to me. I could never tell if that monologue was inspiring or problematic. I think it's like. Honestly, I I think it's a little, I think it's both. And honestly, the best, the best art to me is in a way, because because I want my art. I mean, I say this, but then I also am like, "Mm, can we go back home? Just living before sunrise times uh, when I'm watching this, but uh, the, 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 my favorite art, meaning like the stuff that really sticks with me challenges me. Um, I I can think, I can think of all of the records in my life that I've listened to, especially early on in my like early, early twenties getting into music, new music that people are new people are showing me that I hated right off the bat because it didn't, it sounded so foreign to me, you know, Radiohead or bright eyes or like these people are all like, what is happening? I don't like the way he's saying that. And, you know, and then I was like, Oh, this is just challenging my worldview a little bit. Or challenging. So and I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad that I, and then eventually that would become like the, my most listened to record of the year because yeah. it, it, it challenged me a little bit, which is why I said this will, I, I can see this one becoming my favorite of the three because of that because like i That's it fair. was hard it was hard to swallow at first because i didn't want to see it, it's hard to look at the listen you got what you wanted and now it turned into you know what he says like it's at the end like it's not this is true love it's real it's not a fairy tale um and it's what's interesting because she started off being kind of the idealist and and uh he was more of the realist but i think in this one she's pissed at at not being able to conjure up that the fairy tale believer in her anymore either that or because there's a moment where she says something where i was like uh oh i think she's a little bit i think she still is that person yeah. and she can't kill it anymore it's like I, that, yeah, that one's I, finally coming up and speaking up for herself and that that's why it's all kind of coming out at once you know i think i think that makes because even in the second movie in that car scene that they have where they mm-hmm. both have their breakdown she says like 
that night, like you took this away from me that night set such a high bar that I've never been able to get back from that. And you took that from me and every other relationship that I've had has never Mm -hmm. measured up to that will never measure up to that. And I had, I had accepted that I wasn't happy with it, but I had accepted it. And then I read your stupid book and it's dredged everything back up for me. And then I, I could see her now going like, then you came back into my life. And mm-hmm. now not only are you, did you set that impossible standard for me back yeah. in 94, but now I'm realizing that that was maybe all bullshit. You know what I mean? Maybe all of that was a lie. Maybe none of that was true. And it's like, man, that, I mean, genuinely the entire third act of this movie is one long, brutal. Dude, it's a whopper. It is. It's a tough fight. I think if you've yeah. ever been in a serious relationship, marriage or otherwise, mm-hmm. It's hard. It's super hard to watch. And it's it, I think it was masterfully shot and written because it's, it's way mm. too easy to there's no way I could have written a balance scene if, if you'd asked me to with that. I'm even now, like I know we both talk about the parts of Celine that are hard for us to really like in this mm-hmm. movie. And it's like, well, yeah, because I, I see so much of myself and Jesse that I'm like, stop hurting him. I know, I know. <laughs> like, you're hurting you know? me. Yeah, yeah, I know, literally. And I, I, I and I think for Kate, it was the opposite. I think she felt a lot of like, well, but like, think about what she's given up. Think about where she's coming. Like, I see this and mm-hmm. I see this and I see this. And like, yeah, he's charming. That's the most frustrating thing about him. It's almost like, you know, it makes me think of um, what's his name? Hans Landa in Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Uh, Christoph Waltz's character where like the worst thing about that character is that he's evil and he's so damn charming. So and charming. I think that's like it makes it worse in this film that I feel like there's almost this like I want to hate you, Jesse. But I can't because you're so like you don't you're not giving mm-hmm. me the permission to feel the way that I I want to because you're so charming. But that doesn't take away from the way you're hurting me. You know, Richard Linklater, he quoted this guy, wrote it down. I, I haven't looked it up yet, but there's a quote by this guy, Francis Weller, about anger, where he's like, anger is in some ways just as beautiful as like vulnerability um, when you're telling somebody your story or talking to getting to know somebody because it we are. It's, it's just another vehicle for truth. And if we look at it without defensiveness, you're getting information basically about somebody. Um, it's just the wrapping paper is a little bit harder to hold, um, but it's just as uh, important and can be just as intimate as anything else. Because you, 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 when you get angry, you usually yell the truth or whatever's being ignored in you or whatever. And I was like, that's such an interesting way to look at it. I, I kind of butchered that, but like, uh, um, oh. But there's also another thing that you were just talking about. And I, I, I wrote down a couple of quotes that I, from the thing I wanted to share. There's a part at the end where Jesse says to Celine, you're just like the, the little girls and everybody else. You want to live inside some fairy tale. And I'm just trying to make things better. I tell you that I love you unconditionally. I tell you that you're beautiful. I tell you that your ass looks great when you're 80. I try to make you laugh. All right. I put up with plenty of your shit. And if you think that I'm just some dog who's going to keep coming back, then you're wrong. But if you want true love, then this is it. This is real life. It's not perfect, but it's real. And if you can't see it, then you're blind. All right, I give up. <laughs> it's just like, you know, that's kind of, I think that's yeah. one of the last things he says. But it, but it brings back the point of like, you're just like the girls believing in fairy tales. Like you, you, you squashed, you quieted that part of you. And now you have girls who are, you're, you're literally faced in a car, or in a house every day with these little girls who, who personify that part of you that you've been trying to keep quiet all these years and now you can't and like she's trying to speak up and it's just coming out just like in every kind of way because the the word that i would have used to describe the way that celine 
acts is like childish. Like the way she says things, she throws things at him. Like she gets mad at him over little things. I was like, Oh, that's not what that's about. That's about something else. Um, like all that's, they're they're very childish emotions, um, because she doesn't have, because kids don't have the vocabulary, um, to, to say all the things that they want to say yet. And so a lot of stuff comes out in other ways. They act out in other ways. And she just was throwing herself around that hotel room, like mad at him, like in and out of the room, like very childish, you know? See, I, d- I don't agree at all about that. I didn't ooh, ooh, tell me like none of that. I, I, I felt the same things you were feeling, but I think I felt like we were in the wrong to feel that. I, I had mm. to keep reminding myself that like only one of them was trying to be responsible throughout that entire fight. Jesse wanted to continue wooing her. He wanted to keep escaping. He wanted to mm-hmm. kick the can down the road. But the reality is he is slowly trying to present her with some form of ultimatum or some form of difficult decision mm-hmm. um, and is and keeps denying it. And she is the one going like, hey, we have to talk about this. Like, we've got to do something about this. And I don't like that every time I bring it up and tell you, I this is where I feel like it's going and I'm not happy with that. You make me out to be the crazy person. Mm. And it, it, it feels like to me, like before sunset, again, I resonate it's hard for me because everything you just said about her and how you felt about her and how you read that scene, I felt the exact same thing, but I had, I think I was trying to force myself to go like, is this, is this just because you are Jesse and you want him to be right mm-hmm. and you want her to be childish? Uh, because if she's not childish, he's wrong. And this is really painful for you that you are uh, infantile, that you are manipulative with your charisma. This is me talking to myself. That I am, you know what I mean? Like, I feel oftentimes like, yeah, I'm manipulative with my charisma. I feel oftentimes like I, I done all of those things that he was doing to her, to Kate in arguments. And ultimately what she's doing is like, dude, wake up. Um, we have to deal with this. Like you're, you're, you know what I mean? And it was mm-hmm. like, ah, it hurts so bad. Now that, that being said, I don't think either of them handled, um, a majority well no of course neither of them handled any of that fight correctly i think uh but that's that's why people get in fights because Absolutely. someone's not handling communication well like there was one point where she comes back the fight ends and starts like four times it's maddeningly real <laughs> i don't know how many like me and kate i, I paused it and i was like how many times have we been so sitting on the couch mm-hmm. puffy eye like the fight's over and then it just like evil just boils back up and the fight just starts again mysteriously but she says at one point you don't understand and what i wanted him so badly to say was celine you're right i don't understand that's my point i don't understand you you don't understand me at the end of the day i'm going like and i don't know if this is right or not but like i think where i'm where i kind of landed was they were both right and that's the frustrating thing about being in a relationship with another species is that um, I don't even mean like women are crazy or I don't mean it that no, way, but no. I just mean like it's it's uh, every individual human processes and uh, disseminates information completely differently. And so it's like I know that like what Jesse said made so much sense to me because he communicates the way that I do. And I'm going like that was airtight. She has no room in this argument she's about to lose ha 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 like i felt so mm-hmm. and then she would respond back with something that was to, in my opinion like not even really in response to what he said but um like it felt like she was 
completely dismissing what he said and just saying something else. But I go like I had to stop and go, man. So what are the biggest arguments Kate and I have ever had are I am upset about something or she's upset about something. One of us brings it up. The other person responds. And Mm -hmm. now the rest of the argument is more about how we're receiving information and responding to that information than the actual problem. Like, I think Jesse and Celine could actually sit down and and logically talk about, okay, well, we're obviously not going to do this or that, or we're going to move back to Chicago where we aren't. They could work through that stuff, but their whole fight was all about the subtext of how they're bringing it up, how you said this to me and what that meant to me. And you always assume that I'm going to this, or you always diminish what I'm feeling by the, it's like their fight was not about the thing. It was about mm-hmm. how we both process information completely differently. So I, I, I would bet that like if you asked Kate about this, I honestly I didn't I didn't want to know what Kate thought about that scene because it was too real and I I, I, I figured whatever she had to say about it was going to hurt my feelings. <laughs> so I, I honestly we just didn't really talk about it. But I would bet that she feels the opposite of how we do. Which again, I agree with you. I felt like she's being childish. He's trying so hard. Why can't she see that? But I bet you if I asked Kate, she would be like, yeah, he's being really childish. He's not he's deflecting and he's not listening mm-hmm. like because that's where our arguments always end. And I and and it always ends with me going, here was my intent. And she goes, OK, I hear that now. But just so you know, your intent wasn't coming through when you said X, Y, Z to me. What I heard was this. And I'm like, well, that's not what I said. But again, this completely different human process is like it's so bizarre to me that we could say something so crystal clearly to someone in our heads and they could hear something so completely different because it's just like, yeah, that's not that's not how I process information. You know, that's most arguments, too. Like I think very especially with long term couples, I think most arguments are not about the thing that it's about. It's just the it's the vehicle. It's the catalyst to get it there. You know, it's the, it's the chip in which the dip is on top of, and, uh, it's just getting it to the, to the mouth of the, of the, the couple, but like there's, yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. I, first off, I just have to say, uh, my guy, a plus self-awareness and a plus emotional intelligence (laughs) with you. No joke, dude. I was seriously sitting there. You can watch my face on the video real time. Like when you were like, Am I mad? Am, am I mad at her because Jesse's my boy? I was like, or like, is this what I'm scared to hear? I think it's what she said. It was like, oh man, I, I, you took it one step further than I did either. I stayed in that scene and I was like, I'm him. Why is she hurting us? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, but yeah. you were like, and oh gosh, that's so good. I wish more people would watch movies this way. Well, and honestly, I wonder if it would have been different if I'd seen it by myself because Kate and I mm-hmm. were watching it together and I had the same emotional, visual, visceral reactions you did, of course, because you and I are the same person. Yeah. yeah. But as soon as I, I, I was about to say something a couple times um, during the viewing, and I held back because I was like, "Oh shoot, this feels so real because I've been in this mm-hmm. argument with the person next to me." She's and right if there. she's right there, <laughs> and if she hears the way I feel, like if I go, mm-hmm. "Man, can you believe there's." There's a chance, and I'm honest, I'm I'm positive it would have happened. That she would have been like, um, I can believe actually, and I do believe, and like, you know what I mean? like, not that she. And another best thing, um, <laughs> yeah. Kate is yeah. the most emotionally well balanced person ever. But like, truly, I, I do think that like I, 
I can't like if you and I had watched that, I think I would have paused it and be like, dude, can you believe it? You'd been like, I know, but I didn't feel the safety there for me to do that because I was like, no, if I say that, I think what I'm inviting in is the fight that I'm watching on TV right now. Again, I'm not even kidding. I didn't even realize it until now, but I haven't really asked Kate a lot about her thoughts during that fight. And she hasn't offered her thoughts probably for the same reasons because we're both like, yeah, that was just like, like, why? That was just like watching tape back mm-hmm. from like <laughs> we've been married for 12 years this december yeah it is. i've had a dozen of those nights the way they had in this movie and it was miserable to watch it mm-hmm. was like legitimately and that's what's so hard about this was this movie just as good as the other two absolutely mm-hmm. but the other two filled me with euphoria because they were mm-hmm. wrapped around a fantasy and this one is decidedly not. And it was like, I had, I felt nauseous. There was a film over the other two that there is not over this one. It's very stark. Even the camera choices, like, it's very stark. It really bothered me. Yeah, this film was very, uh, some of it is the time. Some of it has to be the decision. The others have a softness to them. Mm-hmm. And this one felt very HD. You see every line and every HD. wrinkle and every detail. And it was like, I don't want that. Go back to the weird glow the other two had. You and, know? And, all, and I am. I was of two minds, which of course, like I was that way. And also like, I'm so glad this exists. Because, 100%. I, mean, I mean, we need more of these types of like, let's follow this through, which is honestly why the in his own way, Judd is doing with the with the this is forty cast. Um, yeah. Who knew that the most interesting couples out of Knocked Up or people out of Knocked Up would be the Paul Rudd Leslie main character, and they're going to continue on with this is fifty. And it you and me did. did. We, you we and me did. did. I love them so much. <laughs> um, but also they, they in I I my favorite kind of film TV show, any kind of art is relationship stuff. Not even romantic. But, but especially romantic relationship. I think relationships are so fascinating and we learn so much about ourselves. And um, like the show love is my most it's, it is the show that on Netflix is the show that I watch on repeat. And I, I so much of, of it is, it's because it's an emotional gymnasium that I can wrapped in comedy, but I can walk in there and be like, Oh yeah. Like he's, and then a, every time I watch it, I feel like a different, I take on a different point of view where I'm like, Oh yeah, he actually makes more sense this time. Or like this time this person does or that person. And same, I like the show Gilmore girls for that very same reason. It's a very good dissection of, of more familial relationships. And the older I get, it's fun to check in and be like, Oh, interesting. And I'm looking forward to doing that with this, these movies, because I, I think it's very interesting. I'm so curious what couples follow them through the years you know there are definitely couples that went on a date to see before sunrise and then we're like hey let's make this our every nine years we go and do this and um geez i wonder what that conversation was after this i i wonder and what even watching the trailer i was like did people go to this thing and it was a rom-com because dude oh my it's like a marriage it's like it's it's 2013's version of a marriage story <laughs> it really is it's you know what else made me sad is i think stupidly i was looking to this movie to give me some kind of closure which is mm. absolutely moronic after watching the first two installments because they, they don't absolutely really do, that. do not do that they refuse <laughs> to give you any kind of ending let alone a storybook ending it's just a big ellipsis at the end of the first two yeah and it's a similar to this one to that and this one um i feel like maybe there was a little bit more uh implied closure but again that that might just be the 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 hopeful romantic in me kind of wishing that but like i it made me wonder how i would feel about these movies had i not known they were a trilogy like if i really had just seen the first one if i really had just seen the second one when it came out in theaters if i really you know what i mean not knowing there is a sequel left would i have 
had that same sense of euphoria when I because it's really bothering yeah. me now that there is no closure. And then I thought, you know what? Maybe they'll give it to us. But if they were going to keep in step with the whole nine years later thing, that would have been 2022. That would have been this year that we get before. I thought about that too. Whatever. Maybe it'll be another. Maybe it'll be an 18 years before pulmonary embolism, like wherever death, <laughs> whatever death is. Um, there, there's a there's a moment in there. Like the, honestly, there are so many lines in this. Other the, the other ones had it too. Like there were three or four that packed a punch. This one really really did it for me. Um, but there's a part where Celine says. Um, I feel close to you. And he says, really? Because sometimes I don't know. I feel like you're breathing helium and I'm breathing oxygen. Hmm. And um, that's what Celine says to Jesse. And then, and then he responds with, what makes you say that? Like in a high pitched voice, which is a very funny thing to do, but it's also deflecting. It's also like, I'm charming. Look at me, look at me. Let's make it light. What are we, why are we talking about this? But what an, what an interesting thing to say and in an interesting way to put, like sometimes we can't get on the same page, dude. And it frustrating me. Like I, there's a thing that we need to talk about though, that I want to hear your point of view on, which yeah. is, um, the question of the affair. So, um, which th- there's a moment in the fight where she brings up something that happened in a bookstore years ago and he doesn't answer the question. Um, and I've been on, the, on his side of this before, not specifically with this question, but like with, um, like, what's the point of answering this question? It's just going to bring up old stuff. Like this is so long ago. Why are we talking about this? Um, and he doesn't answer. She's like, did you sleep with this girl? Cause I suspected that you have and blah, blah, blah. And he was just like, why do you need, why do you need to know this? Like he just keeps, he asks answers it with, with a question over here. I'm trying to find the, the script, but I don't remember exactly what he says, but he's yeah. just like, what are, you, what are you doing? Like, do you, do you question that? I love you. I'm here for you. I'm giving, that's when he was like, I've given you my life. I have nothing larger to give. Um, in that moment, I'm curious with, for you as a person watching it or whatever, just like, do you see that as like his non-answer as an answer? Do you think he should have answered that question? Do you think this is not the right time to have this conversation? Like where, where are you with, with her, her way of asking the question and his way of answering it? Yeah, I think it, I think he definitely slept with that girl. Um, Cause if not, you just say no, you know what I mean? Like, there's no reason to go. Why does it matter? Like just to piss yeah. your partner off if you know? Yeah. I also think she's never brought it up to this point because I, I don't really think she cares. Celine doesn't seem like, um, a sentimental person. Right. She screwed this guy, uh, while his wife was waiting at home with his five-year-old son in the last yeah, movie, good, good or the, you know, in the, in the 30 seconds after the last movie. <laughs> and I, I don't think, and she, she, he brought brings up numerous times after that about what um he kind of dances around basically calling her a slut a couple times you know what i mean does, uh, yeah. and to put it very bluntly uh, and he won't ever say that because I think he considers himself a feminist and an ally. But mm-hmm. that's what he is strongly implying, which is the same thing. Yeah. And she is very free sexually. Like she talks about that a little bit in the last movie. Mm-hmm. She seduces a married man in the last movie. I don't mean to make put it all on her because he 100 um, yeah. percent begs her for that in the last. <laughs> movie <as> well, <laughs> for sure. But um, it like to me, it was like, yeah, he absolutely did that. Also, she doesn't care. That to me was the picture of I'm trying to even think of an example, uh, not even one that like I'm okay to share because I'm kind of an open book. But it's like when I get in fights with Kate, we both look for those things where we know I think Mm -hmm. I could catch you in this area. You did this thing wrong where in reality, I'm like that thing that you did doesn't bother me. Actually, people are people. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like there's things that each that Kate do and things that I do that both of us would go like, ah, that's not great. But like, honestly, like that might bother another partner. It doesn't bother me. Um, uh, it might bother someone else's spouse. It doesn't bother me. And to me that I would assume I feel like, and I'm projecting here, that's where Selena is where she's like, I don't care if he slept with that young girl or not. Like, because he brings up some stuff about like, didn't you do that with this professor or this person? And right. I don't think she answers either. Does she, she or does she say know. no? Mm-hmm. So like neither of them answer. They're not married. She doesn't believe in the institution of marriage. She's pretty free with her sex and things like that in general and open about talking about it and experiencing all these different things. And, um, so I, to me, that was just a way of going. I think she wanted to point out, Jesse, you were, this is proof that you don't love me the way that you're saying you do. And he even says, if you want me to give you that excuse, you want me to say this to yes. give you a reason, a way out. And I'm not going to do it. I still, you know what I mean? So I think that's he's going like, said. you know, that mm-hmm. I slept with that girl is what he's saying. The subtext there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say that out loud. Cause as soon as I do, you are going to give yourself permission to leave this relationship. And I don't think that's reason to leave this relationship. And while, there's so this is so hard because everyone is going to project their own morality onto that conversation. For sure. For I sure. actually thought that was a wildly mature moment in the conversation to go. I'm not going to answer that question because I don't think you I, I don't think you don't know the answer to it. And I don't think the answer is important to you. This is just me saying yes would just be mm-hmm. an excuse for you to end the relationship because you don't have a good reason to. And if I give you one, you will. You know what I mean? And again, I might be projecting because I love me some Jesse and I'm on my boy's side here. But I don't think that Celine cared. He also doesn't go. I think he also doesn't think Celine cares. Right. I think he knows that she doesn't. He's just like, you're just this is. Don't use this as an excuse. This is deflection right now. You know what I mean? But that was talk about a curveball. By the way, the scene we're not talking about is this scene came like two minutes after we like she gets topless in this movie oh, yeah. and it's an unbelievably explicit five or 10 minutes while he's kissing all over her chest and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It was, it was so interesting that I had literally just said on the last podcast mm-hmm. that episode two of this trilogy was twice as erotic and half as explicit as the first one. And episode three was 10 times as explicit and 10 times less erotic than both films combined. You know what I mean? It was like, it is, it this is, is the least erotic, most explicit scene I've ever seen. I was just uncomfortable the whole time I they know, were doing I was that. Too. It, it's, it's so interesting how it's the dichotomous, like the, everything in this movie after reading about it and watching these, these interviews was deliberate. It feels like it's improv. That's not yeah. uh, every line is, is and which is wild when you think about, the fact that like there's such long takes and stuff too, but so everything in this is so deliberate. I can't help but think that that isn't as well, but it yeah. feels so naturally. You feel like a, you're, you literally feel like a fly on the wall, a documentary watching this couple. And it always has been this way. And that is so interesting to me. Just the beauty of acting and the beauty of writing is like, you can write in such a naturalistic way that it feels that way that it's, yeah. it's I I'm, constantly in awe of the magic trick and the manipulation of art and this is just unbelievable prime example of that i'm like whoa that is wild what was i i i talked forever on it but what what were what were your thoughts on that scene where he kind where she asks him about the girl in the bookstore and oh i couldn't remove myself from i was jesse in that moment um but i've been that person who who i was caught in the wrong and i couldn't admit it because i, I knew it was going to open up a bunch of stuff that i didn't want to get into and so i just decided to be in that moment if i can be honest with you to be to pretend to be a man 
of a uh, principal where I was mm. like, I'm the principal. I'm not going to answer this question because it's, it's a moot point. And like, I do this thing that used to drive my ex nuts, which, um, I can kind of understand now with some time and reflection, whenever I get in, whenever arguments occur, I either go all the way in and, and will yell and get very like, uh, I don't even know what it is. I get, I get very like, um, over enunciative, if that's a word. Mm, okay. I get, I get very specific with my words and I, I talk in a very specific manner. So you get every single thing that I say, or yeah. I get, I, I do the opposite if they're getting heated and I get super calm almost in a smug way where I'm just like, you're being ridiculous by being my tone is you're being ridiculous by being upset right now. Can we just talk about this as humans? And it used yeah. to drive my ex absolutely bananas. And, um, I think I told myself the reason that I would do that is because I wanted to, I wanted to have a calm conversation and I, I think some of it is like, I wanted, I didn't want to say something that I was going to regret. So I'd rather stay low down here um, and not be like the Hulk where I'm like, I'm always angry. And I just like come out. Um, but like, yeah. but I put myself in his position in that moment. And I, it felt incredibly real to me. Um, but I kind of agree that I was like, I don't think that that's even important right now. It felt like she was just throwing everything in the kitchen sink that yeah. she's been up, that she has been upset about in the past or, could used to be upset about in the past. Cause I've been in a relationship where, uh, you, you take notes and you collect things. You're like, I'm not going to be mad about this right now, but I will bring this up when we get into an argument in two years. Um, which is not a way to be in a relationship with somebody, you know, like it's extremely infantile, but guess what? I got married when I was an infant. So yeah. what, what else was I supposed to do? Well, uh, and it's interesting because <laughs> it's like people will always tell you marriage counselors and stuff like that to stay away from words like always and never and these yeah, absolutes and stuff absolutes. like that. Mm. But it's also interesting because you feel like in this movie during that scene, Jesse and Celine are having a fight that they've been avoiding for nine years. And so it's like, well, you can't avoid things like always and never if you're never talking about them when they happen. Like you can't stay present mm -hmm. in this argument right now if up to this point you've never had any of these arguments because it's a product of the fact that y'all have kept this um, like suppressed down inside of you. Whereas if when things are coming up, you go, hey, can we pause for a minute? earlier tonight when we had that dinner party with friends or hey just a second ago you said this i just want like i'm not mad at you we're not having a fight right now and so i want to call it out right now which is so hard to call out something that is bothering you when you're not in a fight because you go like why would i bring that up why would i start something why would i but that's the only way to when you are actually having an argument for that argument for that to actually be a discussion that is about the present instead of pulling all this other stuff in because you've never resolved it if you can go hey that, yeah, I didn't like that. That didn't make me feel good. And you said this or you blah, blah. Oh, man, I'm okay. I'm like, yeah, I didn't mean to say it that way. Sorry. Now the next argument when they go, well, you always wait, stop. I don't always. I did last time. You brought it up. And I since I apologize. And I've been making every effort since. But neither of the characters in this movie can do that because it's obvious they've both been avoiding any kind of true confrontation around these issues for almost a decade you know what i mean like that's crazy like the, the boiling point is insane it's interesting also to note like at the at the beginning towards the beginning when they're at that dinner party and everybody's talking about you know love and loss and like all that kind of stuff there's there's couples from different stages of life there's a there's a couple that's been together a year and then there's an a late a, a widow there who who says this really beautiful thing about you know like sunlight, sunset, we appear, we disappear. We're so important to some, then we're some or others we're just passing through. It's incredibly affecting so her. The, the whole speech is, and it's fun. It's, and then they turn, they pan the camera to 
to our couple and Jesse is like visibly touched and moved. And Celine is almost like, I don't know that love. Like I, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's almost like, she's like, I cannot connect to this. Um, and then they get into a conversation later about being like, who, how old are we going to be when we're, you know, so-and-so or whatever. And they're, we'll be, we'll be 96. And, and she's almost like, God, kill me. Like, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be dating you that, you know, or like with you for that long, you know, it's so interesting. Like her, her view of yeah. getting, of growing old with somebody, which is like the, the axiom that we all use with like the, the most romantic thing you can do is spend your whole life with somebody. He's, he's trying to be like, Hey, this is romantic act like it's romantic. And she's like, I can't connect with this idea of romanticism. And it's mm -hmm. very, it's very interesting to just, which leads noticing that right up to the most painful moment in this entire movie. Celine, I've realized what it is. I've just stopped loving you. That's it. I forgot about that part. Well, follow us at better men film club <laughs> on Instagram, better men pod on Twitter. <laughs> like good Lord. The quote of the week is all righty then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like wow and I, I will say i was i was impressed with and frustrated with the fact that they they don't shout they have a very angry calm argument um compared to the way i argue at least mm -hmm. i get mad and i get loud and i shout and i get emotional and the problem with that is that the argument the fight becomes about uh the the wrong way that i've handled the argument mm -hmm. you know what i mean it becomes it's like will smith right like chris rock mm -hmm. made a bad joke but we're not talking about that anymore because will smith handled it with violence and now that's right. what the conversation is going to be about similar for me and my arguments and it's like so the bad thing oh, about that is you can't yeah. you don't ever get to the bottom of it because now we're talking about the the unhealthy thing that i'm doing here instead of facing this but it was frustrating mm -hmm. that neither of them would yell because i'm like i wish we could pivot to how loud someone's voice is or the fact that they're saying mean things, or, but they're not, they're both being quiet and logical and calm and, and saying really hurtful shit to each other that like they're, they're staying on topic, which was, which is what's so hard about the argument. You know what I mean? Does that well, make sense? You, let me ask you this. Do you believe her when she said that she doesn't love him anymore? Do you think, do you think that's just like the, the shape that her anger is taking in that moment? Um, I think both to an extent, like I think love is kind of a silly idea at the end of the day. Like, you know, like love is not, lo uh, I, I love my wife very much, but that's not why we're together. You know, I have had, and I've Ooh. told her this, but like I have had relationships that were much more passionate in the beginning than my relationship with my wife was emotionally. It was like, Oh my gosh, like right, right away. And now my relationship with my wife was that way too. But like, you've heard people talk about things that like burned, relationships that burn really hot but fizzle out right away you know what mm -hmm. i mean and so and i think that's what when we say love like well what are you talking about i don't feel love for you right now i don't feel affection towards you right now she's saying that i absolutely believe her um be, but like if she's saying that then like yeah every spouse every partner in any kind of relationship mm -hmm. at any point stops loving temporarily the their partner like you don't always feel affection towards that person you don't always feel to me much more romantic than the idea of love which i'm not i think it may be an issue of semantics and how we're defining that is the idea of like commitment 
like the idea mm-hmm. of just saying like, hey, I'm I don't I like I don't kind of again like that fences quote with that that problematic fences quote yeah. uh, or monologue where he says like it's not about whether I like you, it's have I done right by you. You know what I mean? And that sounds very unromantic in this context, but yeah, I think in that moment, I don't think she had any affectionate feelings towards Jesse. I don't think she wanted to be with Jesse. I don't think that she felt the emotion we classify as love. But mm. the bigger question is moving forward, what is she gonna do? Is she gonna wash her hands of him the way that his ex-wife did, or kind of, I guess he did that. Um, Or is she going to keep trying to make this work and keep coming back and keep being committed to growing in this relationship with him? Which like, is is that love or is that commitment? Are they the same thing? You know what I mean? You brought up, you bring up so many more questions though, because it made me think about, well, what's the difference between love and affection? Because they're not always the same thing. And what's what's the difference between, there's such a thin line between like, obligation towards somebody that can be is usually seen as a negative. Like I'm, I'm obligated to you, but like, I also have like really beautiful obligations, um, that I'm more than happy to enter into. Um, and also I don't have a choice, like not, not real. I mean, I guess I kind of do, you know, I, I think yeah. about, I think about like kids and stuff. Um, but it's just all on, on what you put on it. And I think her saying that I feel like she was, she was hurt and she was trying to make him hurt. Like yeah. she hurt because he is so hurt avoidant. He's like being, being like bouncing all over the place, yeah, yeah, yeah. avoiding all the bullets, like making jokes here. Like this will shock him into reality or something. It's like, like, well, let me say that the, the heaviest words I know to, to get this point across. Um, because I've, I've experienced that too, where I, I, you almost have to go too hard so you can like walk back when you're a little bit calmer to be like, Hey, I needed to sh- yeah shock you into understanding mm-hmm. me. Cause she didn't feel seen at all. And that, and the more he didn't see her and almost like in the times he was trying to see her, like act pretend like he was, or maybe he was, I don't know. She almost took that as like, don't, don't patronize me. Like, don't do that. You know, to, which I definitely have been accused of in the past. And I both, yes, I was trying to get this argument to go away because let's get, let, can we skip past this part? Um, yeah. But also I genuinely was also trying to meet the person where they were and th- it just backfired on me. So it's, it's so difficult. There is a point in every argument where everybody just needs to like walk away and cool off yep. because there's just no getting on the same page. And they almost kind of find it like on the couch, like she comes back and sits down and they just start kind of reminiscing about something. And, um, and it kind of works for a minute. And then he's it, pouring them glasses of wine. Literally. They don't even, he's get trying to, he is that my man is trying to hold on to the romance of this night with whatever he can. Literally. <laughs> I felt so a, bad. I was for kissing on some boobies 10 minutes Dude, ago. I'm like, I know I he, just he, go he back had that in his head. <laughs> and I, like, I honestly think he was, he's like trying to hold on to that. And like, I, re- I respect it. And also I'm just like, my guy, you're not having the, the night you were think you were having. You need to like, Pay attention lean into to the night, my guy. Yeah, lean yeah, in. absolutely. But it is tough. It is tough to. I think either we have the wrong definition of love, or love is not the goal. You know what I mean? Like if you're talking, because if you're talking yeah. about love as this strong feeling you have for someone, which is weird because that's what we want. We want to elicit love in other yeah. people. The emotion. The problem with that is that's a selfish thing. When they, when someone gives into, when I'm someone is for the most part, the Hollywood version of falling in love with you, what they're doing is being incredibly selfish and saying, Mm -hmm. you make me feel good. So I'm going to lean into that. When someone says, I don't love you. I don't even like you right now, but I'm going to 
wake up tomorrow and I'm going to keep chipping away at this. That doesn't feel good at all, but it should mean mm. so much more to us because it's like that person, despite what they're feeling, is the saying is saying I want to push through that because I am committed to you and I care about you and I know that on the other side of this thing are all those feelings that we may have had and even mm. if they're not. Uh, we're going to make this work, you know? And it's like, yeah. that sounds so unromantic. It sounds honestly so unpleasant in some ways, but it means so much more to have someone be committed yeah. instead of be, um, just chase the fulfillment they get from this, yeah. this fleeting emotion you're giving them. You know what I mean? That's just I, sugar rush. I, you're right. I th- and I think commitment too has like a, like, I think you, I am committed to people, my friends, to my, my work. I'm committed to things. And, and that doesn't mean that I'm going to be perfect in that. There are some days where I'm not going to want to see even the people that I love the most. And like, that's okay. Like, I think it's, it's, and there are days where I don't want to even look at a guitar or hear a note of music. And I'm like, that doesn't mean that I'm not committed to that craft or that idea or that love. It's just that in there, I think it's, Instead of perfection, I think pursuing excellence or persistency is a little bit more um, attainable. And I think the yeah. same thing with people. Like I've I've been absolutely like my favorite people on the planet. Like like partners that I've been absolutely in love with. Like can spend every every second of the day with and is wonderful. Like yeah, when I when I have moments away from them, it's kind of a relief. And I think that that's mm-hmm. okay too. I think I think the notion of the 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 chemical rushes we have when we first like fall in love with somebody or whatever are to remind us kind of at the end of the day, you know, that we have these feelings and these emotions and stuff in the end, but you don't have to feel them all the time. Cause I think that's exhausting. <laughs> Honestly, you can't, it's if it's like any other drug, which it is like every other drug yeah. after the first high is incredible. The second high is a little less. The third high is a little less. We were just talking yep, about, we that. Talked about it's that. Like, that. It just, mm-hmm. it goes down and down and down every single time. And I think it's like, you know, pursuing love the way that like we are that word is defined for us all, you know, as kids growing up, like the the, the incredible emotion of love mm-hmm. takes zero sacrifice and pursuing um, what's a better word, maybe harmony with someone takes an incredible amount of sacrifice and it would mean so much more to me. My wife is incredible and beautiful and sexy and smart and I want her to love me, but it means so much more to know that she's sacrificing to make this work the same way I want her to know that she's loved. But oftentimes she's like, Hey, I'm, I'm glad you're, you keep telling me how much you love me and how attracted to me you are. Mm-hmm. It's almost kind of what Celine is maybe saying to Jesse in this, but it's saying like, I, I, what I'm asking from you though, is some more sacrifice so we can move towards harmony. Cause I feel like, yeah, I'm that's a good point. Quite a bit. I don't want to be desired by you. I want to be practically pursued by you in your sacrifice mm-hmm. and in your intent. You know what I mean? It's like, well, but that's no fun, Celine. Get over yourself. <laughs> it's not romantic, but it is it's practical. Not. I will and, say too. Oh, sorry. Go on. No, like that idea. Like the the practicality of love often gets, um, yeah, it gets mislabeled as well. Like the honeymoon period's over, and I'm like, that's good. That means that that the honeymoon period being over means you can start getting to the real work and the real stuff. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you get to find out what your relationships actually actually made of, and the honeymoon period can come back when you guys become in harmony when you like come together and, and honestly, like sacrifice is another good word for like, it it often is used in a, in sort of a martyrdom kind of way. But I think, I I think of it as like a price of admission into each other's lives. There are certain, there are certain things that like, yeah, yeah. If I wasn't with you, then I would probably do. 
but yeah, because, yeah, yeah. because I am with you. Um, and we both have agreed that this isn't these other things that I would probably do if I was a single dude aren't necessarily aren't that important to throw out because I will gladly pay that price of admission to omit them from my lives. If I can have you and like, yeah. I think there is that in any time you turn a relationship so romantic or otherwise into um, a transaction, you can, it's a slippery slope, but it essentially is. And I think yeah. that doesn't, that also, it's not a bad thing. It's the energy you put on it. Right. right. So like, it's the whole idea that like l- money isn't the root of all evil. It's like what the intent and the energy you put onto that money that can be good or, yeah. or, or bad. And it's, it's the same thing with like love and relationships and commitment and sacrifice. Yeah, I think it, like uh, oftentimes we think of sacrifice of like, well, if that person's sacrificing for you, it means they're giving up what they want to be. Right. But it's like, no, no, no. They're being miserable. Is, sacrifice is trading something you want for something you want more. Right. If you want to lose weight, you're going to trade that Twinkie yep. for losing some LBs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. that that you want the Twinkie. But do you want that more than being skinny? We'll find out. Yeah. Do you eat it or not? If you ate it, you don't want to be skinny as do bad you as you live wanted that longer. Yeah. Do you want to live longer to see more of right. life in your your kids and your that's whatever? A better like, example. <laughs> I, I know what you meant though. Like, yeah, that's a good, that's a great example of that. Um, and I don't have the, kids, so for me, it's all about my body <laughs> and Twinkies, Twinkies. Okay. <laughs> do you want to give up an oatmeal cortada? No, no. I was trying to think. No. I was like, what? I was like, what? Did, what would Dave love as much as? kids let me think um <laughs> I think you nailed it honestly old milk cortados <laughs> but but it's it's such a i think this this kind of conversation needs to be had more and more with couples i think like we could deal overall as a society with like like diluting our or whatever you want to call it like, like giving our romanticism our over obsession with romanticism in this culture a little bit of dose of a before midnight like if you're gonna have a before sunrise which is impossibly romantic like holy crap oh like God. honestly one of the most romantic films i've ever seen what a trojan um, horse this trilogy is <laughs> but man i'm so glad because people need to see yeah sometimes it's it's this and it's also this and it's not that before sunrise is better than before midnight as far as like where they are in their relationship yeah. it's just and I, I think that some people can see before midnight their relationship as just as romantic because they're not running from their stuff anymore like they're mm. they're and you know they, he tries but they, they are kind of like hitting it head on and they're like okay what do we do from here which is also why I like this is sporty so much it does it in a little bit more of an apatowian way but like i love that they like at the end of the day they're two people who love each other that they're that the the lifestyle maintenance of their careers and, yeah. and and all this stuff got in the way and they just need to be reminded of that. Um, That's this so, is forty is such a good parallel. That's such it's a good fantastic. Call. It's one of my favorites to go back to over and over again because of that. And I think it's funny because I've. I've recommended that movie to people and, and they'd be like, that's a really hard movie to watch. And I'm like, Oh, sorry. I forgot that. I, I like those types of things. I mean, I like, movie I, is like I, I like, I love you, man. For me. me too. And I like, um, mostly cause I like seeing Robert Smigel on, on film. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, if you would have told me this movie came out in 2021, I would have believed it. It feels, yeah, it feels fresh. It feels like these, this conversation wasn't ha- happening in 2013. Um, so I'm so excited. We were all in really good moods in 2013. <laughs> there was so much hope <laughs> in the air that like, I feel like this, this, that we had to go to cinema to, to get a little bit of darkness, but like this, this movie and just the reality that it's sh- the, the light it shines on, like, it's not, this is every couple, but this is also an option. If you live long enough with a, with a person yeah, um, and, and live enough life with somebody, it's not always going to be like, I wake up every day and I'm just so glad she's there. And I'm like, listen, you can also feel that because I do believe yeah, that yeah, Jesse yeah. is in love with Celine. I also don't think that he's 
completely looking at her correctly. And then I think yeah. she's, in, I think she's in the wrong and I don't think anything she said was incorrect. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm yeah, holding they're, they're both, both things in my hand. I definitely both think that they're, they are both committed to each other and they're both deeply flawed partners. You know what I mean? And it's like, depending yeah. on which one you resonate with more, you're going to see the other's flaws way more than the other one. But I, I am yeah. curious. I think if there's any clip we're able to put in, I, I would hope we mm -hmm. can put in the, that last, so she says, I don't love you anymore. And she leaves. And he goes down to meet her on this, on this dock, this beautiful dock on an Island in Greece, play that clip. And then we got to talk about it. Yes. I don't want to talk right now. You by yourself? Are you waiting for somebody? Yeah, I'm by myself and happy to be. I'm an angry person and I hurt my kids, my work, and everyone I love. Well, I'm just my time. Okay, I'm not in the mood. I came here to be alone. Hey, listen, I've just been checking you out from across the cafe, and I don't want to make you uncomfortable, but you are by far the best-looking woman in this place. Thank you very much. Yeah, and no, I was just, I'd love to buy you a drink, maybe talk to you, get to know you a little bit, you know? I mean, you're here in business? Okay, I see. All right, you, you have a boyfriend? Not anymore. Jeez, Sorry to hear that. God, you want to talk about it? I don't talk to strangers. Well, that's the thing. I'm not a stranger. No, no, no. We've met, we've met before. Oh. Summer 94. Mistaking me for someone else. No. We even fell in love. Really? Hmm, I vaguely remember someone sweet and romantic. Who made me feel like I wasn't alone anymore. Someone who had respect for who I was. Mm -hmm. That's me. I'm that guy. I don't think so. Oh, see, see, I know something about tonight that you don't know. Really? What is that? Something important. You see, I, I know because I've actually already lived through this night. How? I'm a time traveler. Okay. Now I have a time machine up in my room and I, I've come to save you just like I said I would. Save me from what? Save you from being blinded by all the little bullshit of life. It's not bullshit. I assure you, that guy you vaguely remember, the sweet romantic one that you met on a train? That is me. That's you? Yeah. Guess I didn't recognize you. Hmm. You look like shit. Well, what can I say? I mean, it's tough out there in time and space. You, on the other hand, are even more beautiful than I remember. Bullshit. Jesse, this is not a game. You get all cute, you get in my panties, and next thing I know, I'm buying peanut butter in Chicago. You're not gonna make it better by some little pickup line. Well, I'm not trying to pick you up. No, no, you, you're misunderstanding me. No, 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 no. I'm only here as a messenger. I've just traveled all the way from the future. I was just with your 82-year-old self who gave me a letter to read to you. So, here I am. I'm still alive in my 80s? <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. How's my French ass? Nice. Okay. Really nice. Uh, I don't care about the way I look. Let's just say there's more of you to love. Okay, great. Okay, do you want me to read to you? Do I have a choice? Oh, sure. I mean, if you're not interested in what you have to say. No, no, no. Read it. Okay. All right. Well, here it is. Dear Celine, I am writing to you from the other side of the woods. This letter is lighting a candle. Okay, stop will... it. I would never write this too flowery. Other side of the woods. What fucking woods? What are you talking about? May okay. I please continue? Okay. I am sending you this young man 
Yes, young, and he will be your escort. God knows he has many problems and has struggled his whole life connecting and being present even with those he loves the most. And for that, he is deeply sorry. But you are his only hope. Celine, my advice to you is this. You're entering the best years of your life. Looking back from where I sit now, these middle years are only a little bit more difficult than when you were 12 and Matthew and Vanessa danced all night to the Bee Gees, How Deep Is Your Love? Celine, you will be fine. Your girls will grow up to become examples and icons of feminism. Nice one. Yeah, well, anyway, you know what I just noticed? That there's a, there's a postscript on the bottom. It looks kind of important. Maybe I should skip over some of this kind of boring. Yeah, skip away. Please skip away. Okay. You sure? Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, well. The boring stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like blah, 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 financial tips and some horoscope stuff. Okay, here it is. P.S. By the way, the best... By the way, the best sex of my life happened one night in the southern Peloponnese. Don't miss it. My whole sexual being went to a new groundbreaking level. Groundbreaking, great. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Okay, Jesse, can you stop this stupid game? We're not in one of your stories, okay? Did you hear what I said to you back in the room? Did you hear me? Yes, I heard you. Now, whether you don't love me anymore, I figured you didn't mean it, but if you did, then, uh... Oh, fuck it. And uh, you know something? You're just like the little girls and everybody else. You want to live inside some fairy tale, all right? I'm just trying to make things better here, all right? I tell you that I love you unconditionally. Mm -hmm. I tell you that you're beautiful. I tell you that your ass looks great when you're 80. Huh? I'm trying to make you laugh. Okay. I put up with plenty of your shit. And if you think I'm just some dog who's gonna keep coming back, then you're wrong. But if you want true love, uh, then this is it. This is real life. It's not perfect, but it's real. And if you can't see it, then you're blind, all right? Here's what's brilliant about it. That speech he made before they knew they were gonna do these sequels, he says 10, 20 years from now, you're going to be stuck in a marriage with someone you can't stand. And then the next movie happened 10 years later. The next movie happened another 10 years later, nine and nine, wow. but we'll give him 10. And so I'm going like this, this kid called it. Like what I wanted him to do is, is him to say, yeah, I, I figured out time travel. I told you this was going to happen. I'm here to visit you and see, what do you think? Did you make the right decision? You know what I mean? And I wanted what him to have that conversation dude. with him. And while he's telling her, cause he does say to her, he goes, I'm that guy. I'm the guy that you met back then. Mm -hmm. And what I what I started crying because I thought what he was going to do is say you were in a loveless marriage. And what he his pitch to her in the first movie isn't run away with me. His pitch, pitch to her in the first movie is come with me and you're going to realize I'm just as full of shit as that guy that you're stuck with. And you actually did. You didn't miss out on much of anything. Um, and I wanted him to slowly remind her I'm the guy you fell in love with in Vienna. I'm the guy you fell in love with again in Paris. It's still me. And I'm also the guy, what I wanted him to admit then was what I didn't know back then is that I'm also the guy you were going to be stuck in that relationship with. But I'm both. I'm always this guy and I'm always that guy. 
uh, and you know what I mean? It's like there's there's some days where you're going to see one more than the other. There's some, you know, I wanted him to make her fall in love with remind him I'm that guy and just seduce her all over again and make her fall in love with that. And for that moment on the train to be the 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 prophetic moment we didn't know they would need 20 years down the line to save their marriage, that that stupid little kid who just wanted to get laid with this beautiful French woman in Vienna that his dumb little pickup line is the thing that actually saved their relationship 20 years down the line. That's what I wanted. I, you could argue I that's what that. we got, but I don't think it is what we got. We Not got exactly. a much more real, real version of that. Um, but he is, a, oh. he, you were, you are reminded that he's a good writer though. Like you're like, Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. You know, like, and there's a few different. My man is <laughs> such a good writer. Jesse, with the lines oh my god i know, I know. It's so good what were what were your thoughts after during through that whole i was thing? so cringing i was like don't do this don't do this don't do this because <laughs> i i've been in the room when a couple has argued and then like and then somebody comes in and tries to lighten it and be silly and goofy and like i dude i was that kid when my parents would argue as a kid like i i was the i was the pop detention guy and that wow. was and, and it and here's the thing dude the thing that's the most fucked up is it, it worked it worked yeah and i was praised for it and like mm-hmm. all it the only work. the only lesson i took away was like oh like pop the tension avoid 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 and so for me this was very cringy because i i've been the person who wasn't trying to do that and the other person's powering through and trying to be you know like hey all right so i know like you guys ready to go to the movie and i'm like oh my man we're not going to a movie right now <laughs> like yeah yeah, yeah as we kind of near the end here, just want to get your take on this. Like I also have noticed just th- sprinkled throughout, because I think that Jesse's a very good, like partner he, he, overall. Like I, I really have very little notes on him, but also I'm, I'm too close to him. Yeah. But same, there's little, little ways that he kind of, that I think for her point of view could take it as pressure or you didn't live up to the fantasy. And there's a thing that he says where he's like, she says she doesn't ride and sing anymore. And he was like, I love the way you sing. I messed up my whole life because of the way you sing. All right. If you put one eighth of the amount of time you put into uh, griping about playing, into playing scales, you'd be Django Reinhardt. And like, it's such a funny, cute way to say, um, yeah, you don't do that thing anymore that I fell in love with you (laughs) initially. Um, Which I I think if you're her and you're in the, in the right, or the wrong headspace or the right headspace, depending on how you look at it, you could take that as like, Oh, just another way that I've, that reality has massively disappointed. Yeah. And there's a few of those little drops that he drops in there that where he's like, no, you were always blah, 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 blah. Um, even, even at the end, like which her, her part of like, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not, I don't love you anymore. That was this, the dagger was when, when he said, and I wrote it down, hang on. He says, uh, when he yells at her and says that, uh, she's crazy basically <laughs> you, you remember that part yeah, where yeah, he, yeah. he finally like he was like i put up with plenty of your crap and it's it's number one you're nuts you are good luck finding someone else who will put up with your <laughs> your shit more than six months okay but i accept the whole package the crazy and the brilliant and i know you're not going to change and i don't want you to it's called accepting you for being you and here's the thing that is essentially a really beautiful way to say it is like come as you are and i love it um, the way he said it really, I was like, oh no, 
Like there's so many ways he said that where I'm like, this you don't say this to somebody or especially. I think it was yeah, I think it was as true and also as false as when she said, I don't love you anymore. That's it. Like you know what I mean? Because he's going like like, you're right. She is pretty nuts. We've seen her for three movies. She's pretty nuts. Also, dude, you're really hard to be around. Like, you know what I mean? Like if it's um (laughs) like I that's such a good point because it's like he wasn't wrong. I do think he probably mm-hmm. does put up with a lot and he does a good job with that. But the implication in saying that is that she doesn't and that she, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, cause, cause the first part of that conversation is the whole, like I'm giving you my whole life. There's nothing larger to give. And then he says, I'm not giving it to anybody else. If you're looking for permission to disqualify me, I'm not going to yeah. give it to you. Okay. I love you. I'm not in conflict about that. But if you want a laundry list of the things that piss me off, I can give it to you, which is what is that is a lifelong relationship it's so that is so relatable said while he puts his pants back on by the way because they were about to have sex and (laughs) this fight broke out in the middle of it he said it with the fervor of somebody who's who's not getting laid um he was literally i remember that scene because he's literally buckling his pants while he said if you want a laundry list i was like oh wow no that's what i was gonna say is I, i i think what Linklater does so well in this, all three of them, because I know that Hawk and Dopey had a, a, a huge part in this as yeah. well, is every rom-com gives you the fantasy. And this one very clearly lets you know that like, even this couple that had, you remember before Sunrise? Remember that impossibly romantic situation? Remember before Sunset? Remember how we doubled down on the romance mm-hmm. and the passion and the intrigue? Not even those two are uh not even they are impervious to this horrible (laughs) difficult part of relationships even they have to go through this you know if you're gonna compare yourself to their beginning you have to compare yourself to their middle Mm -hmm. and that's why i hate we're not gonna let you look away (laughs) yeah no we gave you one two and then a punch like we we're just like i'm sorry if you're gonna be like oh there are people and we want to live up to this okay you have to see this too this is just this is just a part of the deal yeah and I hate it's it and movie. I love it. And it's the only way it could have gone. And I'm mad that it went that way. <laughs> it's it's the movie. It's the reason why, like when you watch uh, Love Actually, uh, mm-hmm. you've got the people going, what the heck? The, like the big romantic scene at the end of that movie is so problematic where, where yeah. some guy's best friend behind his best friend's back is hitting on his current wife. Yeah. And then she kisses him behind her husband's back. And we're all like, oh, Christmas. <laughs> like, what the hell? That's so messed up. It was always messed up. But this movie goes, hey. He he cheated on his wife and left his kid in Chicago mm. and moved to Paris for this woman that he knocked up. He's not a great dad. He's that guy, too. Yeah. Know? Which I think is so important, dude. It's so important to our people, to our, our romantic partners, to this is the thing that I what got me into the friendships that I'm into now, which I'm so proud of yourself being at the top of that list is like I have to show my people all of me. Because I am very good and have been historically very good at giving a socially approved version of me to the point when somebody says, I love you, or they say, you're like, you're so great to be around and you're hilarious. I'm like, of course, I've been tricking you. There's something in the back of my mind. So like taking that leap in the last couple of years and like really being like, okay, I really need to, to show you this. And to you, like we've had moments where I'm like, I've literally not told another person this, but I need to tell you things that I have shame hanging on. I got other stuff where I'm like, this is in my unlovable closet. You need to know that too. And so when you say you love me or my people, any of my people say, say they love me, I believe them and I sleep better at night having a peace, knowing that I'm not like manipulating anybody to believe a different version of me. And I feel like that is essentially what this movie is 
in another way, it's like for the trilogy and for the people who love this trilogy in a way, it's like, it's tough love for the people who have been following this couple for three decades at this point. But it's yeah. like, but, but it's like, don't, it's not hopeless. It's, you know what I mean? Like these, there is a path here forward here. It might not be together, but it also might be, but that is dependent on the choices that these two people make. And it's dependent on what choice you and your spouse or you yeah. and your partner or you and your friends make. And it's a hundred percent up to you. And that, that is the hope that I find in this movie is like, listen, they are exhausted at the end of this movie because they have been holding back some stuff for a long time and they unloaded it all on one night. It's the same thing when you come back from a trip and you save unloading the freaking car for like a week you've been carrying it around you know and, uh, and and then you find like there's a bag of like fast food in there that's rotting and there's like all this stuff you're like oh i wish i would have now this is mildewed like i didn't take this out of the whatever like unpack your stuff in real time whenever you can because good lord you're gonna be there it's gonna be harder later down the line it really is man confrontation isn't conflict like it's not the same thing that. like to confront something you're literally just facing it you know what I mean? And it's yeah. like that idea that like, hey, we can have a confrontation without having conflict. Mm -hmm. They have full blown conflict in this movie because they've avoided yeah. confrontation for nine years, you know? And the, and, only, is, and the only points in time when these this they actually get to a point where I think that they're going to be OK is when they look at it as not you versus me, but you and me versus a problem. And mm -hmm. I think I think that is that is very telling. And I think yeah. if we can look at that as like when we're arguing with somebody like, oh, we're not on the same page. OK, like, can we join together to try to figure out what we're actually arguing over and like how we can both so good. come at this, you know, that's so good. Yeah. I've heard it said like the idea, a lot of, a lot of couples or partners when they're having, um, difficult talks, they're oftentimes sitting across from each other. Uh, there's this feeling of we're on opposite sides of the table. Right. And one mm -hmm. of us, we're going to go back and forth. Well, I think this, well, I think this, well, I think this, and you, everyone has their rebuttal until one mm -hmm. of you don't. And so when the argument ends, it's going to end with someone losing because you didn't have an answer to someone else's rebuttal versus yeah. if you can, we, me and Kate, well, this sounds so preachy now, but like, we'll literally try to sit on the same side of whatever table or couch that we're on when we're having an argument, when, when I'm not being a, 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 an anger rageaholic maniac guy and i can actually go hey we need to sit down and talk but like we try to sit on the same side and it's like the idea that like hey we're on the same side of the table the yeah. problem is on the other side and we're gonna solve this you know what i mean i think that actually does a lot i think that's really smart yeah you guys are the ideal couple i'm really gonna put you on a pedestal well don't <laughs> we'll have next next week we'll have kate on this podcast and she'll tell you what oh, she I, thought about I can't, before midnight. i can't wait to interview her about this and you're not you can be there but you're not allowed to speak i don't want to be there are you kidding me <laughs> are you high i don't want to hear it i don't want to be there y'all have fun that's the one episode that you don't listen to it'll you're be like, the you know best what? episode I'm yet and this. i'm never gonna listen yeah 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 all right, go follow us everywhere <laughs> at Better Men Film Club on Instagram, Better Men Pod on Twitter. He's Nick Flora everywhere. I'm Dave Wears Black everywhere. We are, as a reminder, just two people. Um, hit us with your thoughts on anything we talked about. Please. Especially like we we hit some really divisive topics here with like arguments and relationships and love and like commitment and stuff. Like if, if you are listening to this and you're like, I hard disagree, or you're like, I agree, or we changed your mind or whatever, like hit us up and let us know. Um and if, if you if you want us to, we can read your responses on the show. If not, we can keep it to ourselves. But like we we want to hear part of the way we become better men is is we are our viewpoints are challenged and we're we're, we're thinking of, of different people's points of view and the way they see the world. And so we want to hear that stuff. So don't be Literally, afraid. Yeah. Stuff. 
have that conversation in our and I mean like in the comments under our posts for like yeah like I want people to be able to hear what others think and join in on that and be a part of the conversation and all that kind of stuff. So add us. You can DM us, but I would honestly rather comments because I'd love for other people to be able to amen that join in that conversation. That yeah, that yeah. I know it's I know it's hard because podcasts are generally uh, solo introvert activities, so it's hard to remember to be a part of a conversation. But uh, I do it myself. But like yeah, we we want to open that door in case you were. Like, well, I would say this, but, or whatever. So, okay. So the, I had the movie quote last week, um, which was, so you're not going to go to law school. What do you want to do then? I want to dance, which is from dazed and confused. Uh, all my quotes, the last few weeks have been from Richard Linklater, uh, films because he writes some good ones. So yeah, he does. dazed and confused. I think I wouldn't say underrated, but like it doesn't get brought up as much as it it deserves to that's that's a movie that i didn't really like when i first saw it because i was it's been memed it's been memed for Uh, sure it's been turned into all right all right all right yeah but i turned i i was wondering i was wanting i can't hardly wait or she's all that and and when i saw it originally but like it's the one that i go back to the most out of like teen comedies and stuff so dude honestly go watch um everybody wants some it's it's, i can't wait it's like getting to watch days and confused again i'm not gonna say they're as good as one another because i think it's gonna be a whole personal Mm -hmm. thing for everyone but it's it's really fun all right, All right movie what's yours? quote for this week. Well, I'm glad he's single because I'm going to climb that like a tree. <laughs> <laughs>